Hey everyone, and welcome back to another book podcast. Today's episode is a seaweed special featuring Vincent Dumézel, author of the new hero titled The Seaweed Revolution, which was published on Tuesday the 25th of April. Our non-fiction editor Christian has taken over as host on this week's episode to chat with Vincent, and I hope you all enjoyed this incredibly fascinating discussion on how seaweed has shaped our past and can save our future. As per usual, a quick disclaimer. Despite any connections to the publishing industry, all opinions on books and biscuits are completely our own here at Another Book Podcast. So let's dive into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Hi. So, yeah, I'm here with our author, Vincent Dumézel, um, on publication day. Um, And uh, his book is called The Seaweed Revolution. And yeah, could you, um, Vincent, could you just tell us in a few words what the book is about? Well, the book is about uh, this revolution that we have to operate uh, in order uh, in the ocean, uh, in order to move from uh, prehistory to modern history, meaning that we have been for the last, uh, uh, we, ha- we have 12,000 years ago, we have uh, moved from uh, hunters gatherers to become farmers on land, but we never did that in the ocean. And today, having reached the limit of our natural uh, resources on land, we need to understand how to, how to, in a regenerative and sustainable way, uh, cultivate the ocean in order to address the most important, the most pressing challenges of our generation, which is, which are the environmental crisis, the climate crisis, the social crisis, and the food crisis, obviously. So that's that's about it, nothing less. <laughs> yeah, no, and I thought it was amazing as a reader and, and then uh, editing your book, just the, how many things like carbon capture, um, alternative to plastics, um, and uh, f- food and nutrition for for livestock and for humans. And so it is it is really a, 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 an important manifesto. Um, and so how, because yeah, tell me just how you came to the subject, because uh, from what I gather, your 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 background is in uh, agro... Yeah, agri-food, yeah, yeah. So I have an agri-food background, I worked 20 years, I started in Africa actually, and that's where I realized what was the real face of uh, world hunger actually, and uh, it doesn't look really good, so I really tried my best to, uh, to find solutions, and there's not so much solutions left on land. Um, so I spent 20 years in the food industry and um, we were like, okay, the choice is, is either we leave like a, a few billion more people uh, dying from hunger or starving, uh, either we keep destroying uh, our environment and our planet or we stop. Ma- so so there's like, there's no solution. We, we have a food system that is the major contributor to, uh, to uh, the destruction of our climate and our environment. And in the, mean, in the meantime, we struggle to feed the entire planet while the demand is growing very, very big. So I was really looking for a solution and there's no solution on land. And then it, down on me somehow that um, the world is covered uh, with 70% by ocean uh, and this ocean they contribute to less than 3% of our food so I realized that uh, yeah there was a gross avenue in uh, if we want to increase our uh, resources on the planet to use to better use the ocean and then you realize that the ocean we are currently destroying them because uh, we use them as a waste field, mostly. Um, so, um, so the idea was to change our mindset, to integrate the ocean in this regenerative approach, 
And if we want to uh, to repair the ocean instead of destroying them, you have to start with the lowest trophic level there, and which is seaweed. Seaweed feeds the rest of the uh, life chain in the ocean. So. Um, that's how I got into that, I mean, really trying to feed the world with seaweed and then realizing that uh, seaweed is not only a source of food for human beings, but also for animals, as well as a way to, um, to replace some, I mean, to, to replace fertilizers as a biostimulant, um, to stop pollution on land, but also to replace plastic in order to stop pollution in the ocean, to provide new sources of medicines to, uh, to cure you know, some new disease. Um, to uh, to restore uh, biodiversity and in the ocean to restore uh, life below water and and on land as well uh, as well as a way to sequester a lot of carbon as you mentioned and also to provide jobs and revenue to coastal community where fishing resources are declining so it's a multifaceted solution um, that really uh, has a lot to provide but no one told the story so I start telling the stories around and that's how I ended up here. Yeah, I think that's what the book does really well to for non-specialist audiences to just have yeah this this kind of um, and with with lots of um, little stories and anecdotes and narrations and history to 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 build this case for seaweed, um, which uh, yeah, which which I mean I I didn't know much about seaweed and and also it's it's also interesting like in. In, in addition to this, um, to all these environmental, social uh, goods that seaweed can bring, uh, I like the fact that you also talk about kind of, uh, you know, seaweed in literature and seaweed in art. And so, um, and also, yeah, so it, in beyond um, what you mentioned in the book, do, do you use it personally? Yeah, I do. It's a new relationship, actually, mm. I have to say. I come from the land, so I'm not specifically uh, someone... Uh, I haven't grown up uh, next to the sea and so forth. But uh, So, it's. I mean, just to say that it's open to everyone. This revolution is really mm. open to anyone. You don't need to be a sailor to uh, uh, to, to be part of this revolution. Um, but, yeah, of course, it, it, um, it became part of my diet, indeed. Uh, first of all, because I realized that it was delicious. Just mm. like most of the people, I thought it was, like, slimy yeah. and a bit uh, a bit uh, disgusting and then you realize uh, how good it is uh, to cook them um, and and having three kids I, I start to cook that with my kids and they didn't like it at all at the beginning <laughs> they were like oh especially because seaweed has a humami taste which is very unique yeah. and specific and there's not many food on land that has a humami taste which is uh, the fifth taste uh, after uh, acid, acid uh, bitter uh, sugar and, and, uh, and sweet and, and, and salty yeah, so that's the fifth one and um, and so it's very specific and hard to uh, appreciate the first time. I think you need to get used to it. But no, that's the funny thing is that my kids they love it. They go to school with a sandwich with a seaweed inside. I think they are the only one in their school, <laughs> <laughs> and they love it. We do we um, we even do pancakes with uh, which is something important, you know, in France. Pancakes. Yeah, crepe. Uh, crepe. <laughs> so we do crepe with uh, with seaweed actually with kombu and sesame oil. So it's very innovative. I mean that's a new gastronomic territory somehow because you really innovate uh, in, yeah. uh, in cooking um, it's something very new and it can 
really fit in, in very different type of uh, of, of plates. My, my my daughter is uh, is cooking some chocolate mousse with uh, seaweed, and it's delicious now. So it adds uh, a little bit of yeah 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 a specific taste. Bit, yeah. You know, she do, she she uses the same type of seaweed that we have in sushis, uh, the nori, the porfibra. Uh, so uh, and and it's really good. So yeah, it has become part of uh, of uh, of our uh, diet at home at least. Uh, we find. More and I mean, it's easier and easier to find seaweed in uh, in shops in France, and, and and the same with UK. I mean, in any uh, organic shop, you yeah. will find some seaweed. Um, we have a very uh, you know we love we love aperitif in France, as you know, and uh, we have a tradition for seaweed tartare as well, which is which are very easy to make actually. So you just mix uh, vinegar, olive oil. I mean, lemon and whatever you want, like uh, spices you want, uh, and, and dried seaweed, you mix it all. Which kind of seaweed would you use for that? My old kind. I mean, all I mean dulse, uh, the dulse, uh, mm. the, the green seaweed, um, nori, so really, really, it can be all kind. Kombu as well would be good. So, uh, uh, and really, you mix the seaweed, you mix all these um, yeah, condiments, and, and it's very good. And you have this for aperitif, you, you drink, put that yeah, on bread. Yeah, with the wine, uh, white wine. Uh, yeah, 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 with. Uh, mm. with uh, uh, so it's very it's very nice yeah with wine yeah so um, yeah you you have very different ways to eat seaweed and that's what is fantastic uh, but once again it's not only a solution for feeding people through seaweed is a very um, interesting and nutritious food that's what mm. is good it's the healthy food by uh, essence um, it's a nutritional bomb so it gets everything you need and uh, it's funny because there's 20 times more uh, magnesium for instance in seaweed yeah. than in chocolate so there's no excuse to eat chocolate anymore <laughs> <laughs> so you better eat seaweed instead and same for uh, calcium I mean you, you've got in some seaweed it depends from a seaweed to another but there's much more calcium in some seaweed than there is in milk uh, for instance and uh, and of course all uh, the iodine and, and the uh, and, and the omega-3 all this uh, uh, fatty acids that are so needed by our brains. Uh, seaweed is the only uh, vegetable that contains uh, vitamin B12, yeah. which is uh, only in red meat. Otherwise, so there's uh, and my oldest boy is uh, is veggie, and so am I. Uh, no, uh, so it's it's Good. very convenient because uh, yeah yeah you can get a lot of proteins. I mean some seaweed like uh, nori like dulse they have up to forty percent protein, which is even way more than what soy uh, has contains so um, which is soy is around 25 percent protein so you can really um, it's it's packed with nutrients with very good nutrients so it's and you don't need much i mean each day you just need a few of a few grams of them to to fulfill your daily needs uh, in this nutrient so that's what is very good uh, but once again it's not only a, a, a good food for 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 human being it's also very good for animal and and, and, and so forth no that's interesting and and, and and what i think is interesting is the fact that i mean because I think a lot of people see seaweed um, as kind of a, 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 a as kind of a new age thing, a new thing to eat. But like, um, obviously, the Asian countries have been using it a lot before. And then reading your book, just um, uh, I mean, tr there's a tradition in, in, in Cornwall of uh, eating yeah. laver bread, and yeah. in Ireland eating dulse. And so I think it'd be it'd be good to that we all rediscover a taste for it, and and obviously the this the other benefit is obviously all the past. And you were uh, what I learned in your book as well about the um, in the kelp highway in in in, yeah. in North America, you can trace the um. Well, it's I think it's one theory you can trace the migration of peoples along uh, this the, these kelp coastal regions, and um, and yeah, so so it, it that that's what I. Th 
think is fascinating the 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 fact that it is something that has been eaten in the past and, and it's something that we should rediscover and not just see it as something oh uh, this is healthy so we have to eat it yeah, yeah and that's more than this because mm. i mean we are what we are we are sapiens because we uh, we had a lot of seaweed over uh, thousands of generations uh, when we were hunter-gatherers, it has not been proven that only a massive intake mm. of polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, over thousands of generations has generated the mutation of our brain. I mean, the genetical, it has triggered the genetic change in our brain in order to grow that big compared to our body mass. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and these polyunsaturated, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids are only present in seaweed and, and, uh, and, um, and, and fish oil. So uh, and that was funny because uh, I, I discussed with an archaeologist uh, to do the book and he told me, you know, we, we, we copy and paste the, 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 the human history. I mean, in the 19th, uh, we copy and paste the, the social model somehow with uh, the men going uh, hunting mammoths and, uh, and, and, the, and the women staying in the caves with kids. And that's, that was a story about how we became sapiens. But the real story is that we were just gathering winkle seaweed, uh, small seaweeds in the, on the shore with, with women and with kids all together and that's all we are uh, sapiens today so we lost that connection to seaweed back 2000 between 12 2000 to 2000 years uh, ago when we made up agriculture when we developed agriculture mostly in the in the mediterranean region which is not a very good region at all for seaweed which is part of the the reason as well so we lost that mm. intimate connection with the ocean then and the thing is that this Greek and Roman civilization uh, became very powerful, and they invaded the rest of gradually the rest of Europe and then the rest of the world. And uh, and uh, and there's a clear reason why the only place in the world, Japan, where seaweed is so important today, is the only part of the world that has not been colonized by European people in the 19th century as well. Right, so I yeah. think there's a clear link between these, uh, these two reasons. I mean, really, it's a civilization issue that we have lost that connection. And of course, we have to keep in mind also that for, for the Chinese medicine, which may be part of the reason for Japan, I mean, there's a clear link between what you eat and your medicine. While in the rest of the world, uh, and mostly in UK, I would say, in the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the tradition is more, I mean, you, you relate food to a source of energy. Yeah. You need energy, uh, so you, you, you eat. Uh, and, and, and that's not really right, I think. I think th th food is really related to, what, to, what, to, the, to the right balance in your body. And that's all you should see, it, not just like uh, fuel for uh, yeah. energy. And um, that's also what we need to learn, and that's where seaweed is helping a lot to reach that right balance. Well, and, and then again, that leads us on to another challenge because, yeah, our, our kind of our f food policies in the West and, and all over has been to, to really push things like cereal. And uh, because these are, you know, these these provide like simple calories and things like that. And and in the book, you talk about how a lot of the challenges for for a greater exploitation of seaweed is also a regulatory one. And that's so you, so one of the things is governments would have to make it easier to yeah to grow seaweed. Yeah. I mean, uh, typically in UK mm -hmm. we. There's there's uh, there's very little farms, if any, uh, of seaweed. I mean, there's one that has just been licensed, but they they struggled a lot for this because it's very hard. On the same in the rest of Europe, uh, it's very hard to get a license to operate in the ocean because the authorities are quite scared. It's quite mm -hmm. new, so they don't know what could be the consequences. And also, we have to 
learn how to grow our endemic uh, species, which is a big deal because there's a science gap uh, in, in seaweed, so we need to learn. I mean, so far we only know how to grow the Asian species. And I mean, you're not develop, develop uh, agriculture in the UK, growing bananas or, or, or rice. You need to grow your own cereal. Local, yeah. So, that so would, you, so you need to do the same. We need to learn how to grow our own seaweed. And we are yet to understand that. I mean, the dulse, dulse as you uh, mentioned, yeah. we don't know how to grow it. I mean, there's still no way to grow it. I mean, we are still uh, looking for a solution around that. And um, so we there's a... And I keep saying to the young generation, because I, I keep talking a lot in high schools and college, I mean, just just become marine biologists because that's where is the future. I mean, we need we, we know better what's happening on the moon and in the deep ocean, and we need to understand that. And, and at the end of the day, it should be very cheap uh, food because you, seaweed does not need anything to grow. You just need yeah. salt water and and and, uh, and 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 sun. You don't need a pesticide. You don't need land. You don't need to feed it. And and guess what? You don't even need to water them. <laughs> so uh, <Yeah>. so <laughs> so it's really a free resource. I mean, I and the question is why. Only one part of the world, Asia, has learned to grow uh, a free resource from the ocean that does not need anything. And I think during uh, uh, the current times where we see uh, an increasing uh, price for food, I mean, we should consider that as well, that once it will be mature and established, seaweed uh, may be a very, very uh, cheap source of food as well, because it doesn't need anything. Yeah, that's no, that's fascinating, and so the, a lot, all of these facts and a lot more can be found in in your for, in your uh, well, I keep saying forthcoming book, but it's actually out today, <laughs> a Seaweed Revolution, and yeah, so um, definitely uh, that was a fascinating chat, and now I just. Uh to to inspire you, yourself to, to write stuff like the seaweed revolution are there other um non-fiction books that you particularly enjoy or, or recommend yeah i um i i really enjoyed the answer rosing factfulness uh, recently which okay. is a great great book from a, from a doctor at the who uh, he wrote this book about uh about being positive and i think that's uh, that the world is getting better and i like this mm. idea because we 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 are being told that the world is getting worse and worse and some of the book I mean uh, what really triggered me to, to write this book is the fact that I was looking for solutions for my kids it's kind optimistic, of a, yeah. yeah an intergenerational commitment we don't build anything on fears uh, and, uh, and and drama. I mean, we are feed we feeding the next generation with fears and, and, and drama. Why we should feed them with hopes and solutions? And I think this book, uh, 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 Factfulness, from Factfulness, Hans Rosing, yeah. is very good. Rudger Bregman as well uh, from uh, Netherlands has written some crazy books, yeah. uh, Humanity notably, which is very good, uh, showing that people are naturally yeah, humankind. Kind. Yeah, yeah, humankind. Yeah, humankind. Yeah. Sorry, humankind from Rudger Bregman. A fantastic book uh, about yeah, full of optimism because all in all and we can see that um, and we were discussing that today while uh, doing this uh, chain exercise uh, <laughs> of signing the book yeah the world is getting better and better which doesn't mean that the world is good uh, it doesn't mean that we should stay here and, 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 and not do anything we should do a lot we should uh, uh, keep the effort uh, we should keep fighting for uh, making this world better and better but I mean, I mean the world hunger has decreased by I mean, 10 over the last uh, few decades. Um, education is growing and growing. We have eradicated a lot of uh, the most impressive disease that we have over the last uh, uh, centuries. Uh, we have uh, less and less crimes. And and and, and, and those, yeah, I was reading recently, or was it in uh, Rosenblum, that we have 
I mean, there's way more, there's four times more people uh, dying from obesity uh, than, uh, than from uh, any violence. Uh, you know any kind of violence, yeah, so yeah. you are more at risk with uh, with sugar than yeah. uh, you, are, you are more at risk with uh, with a soda than uh, than with uh, a gun or with uh, a knife. You know, so um, so I mean we have to we have to see that in perspective, and I think we need solutions now. I think the uh, uh, scaring people is not working. I mean, at least they, we have to be aware of the situation, but we need we need optimism, we need good uh, solution, we need hopes. And, uh, and we need solutions to articulate, and not only technological solutions, because we tend to see only the uh, the technological solutions, like with all the fears that it brings as well. I mean, ChatGPT and so forth. So we need to see some natural solutions and and some kind of utopia. And we have a uh, there's a need for utopia. I mean, there's a, we have to uh, we have to hope. And I think that's also another problem of our generation that we have reached so much over the last generation that there's not much hope. I mean, or uh, or, or ideal left to achieve so uh, we need to achieve new uh, something new something bigger and we have to dream bigger again um so yeah yeah I, I love novels as well that thing yeah no that's good no, I, and i'm glad that you mentioned stuff like rook bregman because because that's when we launched hero one of the things we wanted is to have non-fiction that can obviously be realistic and 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 yeah. inspire us to surmount su- challenges and so optimism in a constructive way and yeah well i mean speaking of novels so um yeah i heard i heard that you you you've you were a novelist in a in your in a previous life yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but uh yeah, yeah. yeah. i like i really love to write and that's uh, that may come back again and i mean and that, that was also part of, uh, and I feel that this exercise with the book was also part of a, a storytelling exercise. Of course, there was no poetry, and it was driven and grounded in science. Yeah. But uh, but also, I, I really start to tell the story about seaweed, yeah. as you said, about our, our history with seaweed. And, and reading the book, you will understand how oh, we won uh, the First World War, and how oh, UK won the First World War because of seaweed, or oh, we cure a lot of disease because yeah. of seaweed, and all these stories, you know, that we forgot, or oh, oh, someone from UK is now considered as the as the mother of the sea in Japan and celebrated in, uh, yeah, in yeah. temples because uh, she, I mean, uh, someone nobody knows in uh, nobody knows her in UK, but uh, but she's from Manchester and she's a celebrity there. So uh, because uh, yeah, a few decades ago she found out how to cultivate nori. Anyway, so there's a lot of stories that we've missed that we forgot about uh, about uh, about seaweed, but it it played really a great role in our history as well. And I think that was part of the storytelling, and I was feeling like. I'm writing a story about seaweed, so it was cool as well. But that, yeah, writing novel is something different, and I like to come back to it somehow. So we see. And speaking of novels, what's a, what's a, an example of, of a novel that you you really like as a reader that inspired you? Well, it's mostly French novels, so I don't think I'm. I'm I, I should say I, I write. Um, I read mostly uh, French novels, so I don't think that we speak to any. Uh, well, it <laughs> depends which one. Maybe yeah. some. I mean, there are good French novels published yeah, here. Penac and uh, Penac, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Penac. Penac, of course, a great uh, Clavel as well. A yeah. great influence on me. So, uh, so yeah, and of course, all the, the the. I mean, the usual one, the historical one. I would say, yeah. I mean, Balzac and so forth. Balzac, yeah, yeah. So influential, and Camus. Camus is one of the greatest one to me. 
yeah, so he... sell, I, I have to say it's a bit, uh, a bit, uh, but the best, uh, the best book of the 20th century is uh, Voyage au bout de la nuit. By know. Louis Ferdinand Céline. Yeah, which, which is a bit uh, yeah, <laughs> controversial, I mean, no, because of his position. But well, uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the author was problematic, but he's yeah, especially Voyage au bout de la nuit is, is an incredible book and yeah, yeah, uh, Journey to the Night, right. which is available in English. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, okay. No, that that was interesting. Um, well, um, to um, to you playing a guitar, you're also a musician. Yes, yeah. I am. Yes, I am playing in a band. Yeah, 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 in France. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, rock, uh, rock. It's a it's a French rock band, and you know, uh, French rock. Uh, I think that Lennon was saying that French rock is a bit like English wine. It could not exist, and it can be not be good. <laughs> well, but the thing is, English wine is booming now. So, no, no, no. Yeah, so maybe, so maybe that's my that's the right yeah, time for yeah, me. Either maybe French rock. Yeah. Um, what, did, could you tell? That's the name of your band? Arcy, A-R-C-Y. Uh -huh. So, uh, uh, yeah, we are on, online and so forth. So we have released an album already. We do our own song and we uh, we have just signed with the label right now. So we'll uh, release our second album over the summer. I just need to find the time for all of this. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> you going around the world, uh, saving the planet with seaweed. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, what's your main inspiration musically? Well, once again, mm -hmm. for a rock band, and as you guessed uh, right now, Beatles has been a very fundamental part of my music uh, history, I would say. But I'm more into French rock band at the moment. But uh, but yeah, influentially, I'm more Beatles and Rolling Stones. And I love the Beatles. What's, yeah, and give us the name of, of like a, of a French band that you would recommend. Uh, Louis Attack, right. Noir, Noir Désir. Okay, classics. One. Yeah, yeah okay. classics one, yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, uh, we usually like to end uh, the podcasts <laughs> with a uh, sort of a, a ta a biscuit tasting. So, um, and, and, and so this time we've got, um, so Vincent has brought... Uh, Two uh, seaweed snacks. Um, yeah. So by by a company called Wavy Wonders. There. Yeah, they are Danish, but they are. I think they should be available in the US as well, and maybe in UK. Now yeah. I don't know, but they have a lot of uh, very good. Uh, um, very good. Oh, I mean, seaweed producers. Mara Seaweed, for instance, not to mention in Scotland, is leading the market right now, and they are doing very very good product. So uh, as you can find easily uh, product everywhere. Okay, so now li live, yeah, live, on, enjoy, live on uh, air. So, seaweed. so this, <laughs> so th this one we're going to taste now is wild garlic and yogurt. Okay, be crunchy. Okay. Mmm, delicious. Huh? It's delicious. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a good beer, and then off yeah. we go. <laughs> which yeah, which reminds me, we have to go to the pub soon. But um, yeah, I, I, it's it's delicious and also uh, gluten free. Yeah, and um, very very healthy. Yeah, very healthy, much better than any other. Um, so wavy wonders. Either. So yeah. um, find it online. So wild garlic and yogurt. I would give it a a solid eight out of ten. Yeah, same eight. Okay, yeah. now we'll try another one. Uh, spicy one, huh? Wavy wonders. <laughs> so this one, our, our our managing director Tom has eaten most of them already, <laughs> but, um, but so they must be good. So we're gonna try. We're gonna try one. So this is chili and berry. Yeah. Yeah, this one is more subtle. I find. Yeah. Um. So I think I prefer the wild garlic one because it's well. Yeah, I do as well. I, I, I would give it yeah. six, six, seven to that one. I'm not. Yeah. 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 Okay. I would say yeah. I'd give it a seven out of ten. So yeah. chili and berry. But yeah, still. I mean, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's got different, different, <laughs> different tastes. So now, um, yeah, I'm, now I feel like I'm, I'm thirsty now, and I think uh, we, yeah. we must, 
leave our listeners and uh, go venture into one of Bloomsbury's finest pubs. All right. By the way, you know that beers are made because of seaweed. I mean, there's there, there the seaweed extractor used in the process of... Uh, wow. Doing the beers, producing the beers. So, uh, I mean, it's everywhere anyway. You eat seaweed without knowing it's like six <laughs> times a day. <laughs> wow. Well, that's good to know. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, thanks, also for coming to the office and speaking to us. And so, once again, uh, Seaweed Revolution um, is out uh, with Hero. Um, and yeah, have a look at it. Um, and uh, yeah, buy it. <laughs> Thank you very much. And let's grow the revolution now. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And that's all for this week. A big thank you to Vincent for making the time to be on the podcast and for providing us with such amazing facts and seaweed treats. If you like what you heard and want to join the seaweed revolution, you can head over to Amazon to order a hardback copy of the book, or you can head to the Legend Times website to order a special edition signed by the author that includes the first ever seaweed paper dust jacket made by the incredible and innovative company Nopla. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget to tune in in two weeks' time to hear all about my chat with Will Harris, CEO of Unbound, the incredibly unique independent publishing company, as we discuss AI, the future of publishing, and of course, biscuits. Have a great Monday, everyone.